Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together tonight in the name of Jesus. Your promise is that you are in the midst of two or three of those who come together in your name. Lord Jesus, as we look back over this last year, we have experienced you being in our midst hundreds of times as we have come together in prayer. Our story is that you have been so faithful to us. You have given us hope when there was nothing in our circumstances that would be hopeful. You have proven yourself to be so trustworthy and so constant. We praise you tonight. We want to delight in you, for you are worthy. We want to sing your praises and honor your name, for you are good and you are faithful. We want to set our hearts fully on the hope that will be revealed to us at your return. And to not live for anything less, or set our sights on anything that is lower. And so we commit this night to you to your working in your ministry, Holy Spirit. May the purposes of the Father and the desire of Christ for his body be accomplished in us tonight, we pray. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, and our soon coming King. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone. It is good to see you this evening. I'm glad that you are here. I'm glad that we are together. This is the eve of 2021. With all but a few hours, 2020 is history. And we are on the eve of another year. We've chosen a word for tonight to capture where we have been and how we have walked with God, or maybe we should say how he's walked with us. We've chosen this word, not actually a word that we would ordinarily use in the way that is typical, faith with a suffix of full, but rather presenting this word as a compound word, as two full words, faith hyphenated and full. This year, God has been full of faithfulness to us. And God has been teaching us to be full of faith in walking with him. And so it's through that lens that we want to look at where we have been this year, how we have experienced God. It is through that paradigm that we want to worship him tonight that we want to delight in him. And it is through that understanding that we want to look to the year that is ahead of us. For there are lessons that God has taught us this year that we dare not forget. God does not want us to go into 2021 the same way that we went into 2020. He's given us a new understanding. He's brought us to a new place. He's given us a new definition of how we should live. And it's with that definition of faithful, full of faith, that we want to worship tonight. We want to hear him speak to us through his word. And we want to understand his purposes for us. Psalm 138 has become an important psalm for us this year. And we want to use it as our framework, our structure of worship and understanding tonight. And David begins in Psalm 138 by saying, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple 
and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. David takes four lines here to identify the posture of his heart towards the Lord. And then one line to summarize why. I will praise you with all my heart. Before the so-called gods and other things that people consider to be so important in this world, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple, the place where you dwell. Psalm 5 says, in reverence, I will bow down before your holy temple, and by your mercy, I will come before you. And then he said, I will praise your name. Why? For your love and your faithfulness. For your love and your faithfulness. Listen, my friends, if you and I had nothing else in life tonight, if we were like Job sitting on a pile of ashes, maybe we would call into question God's love and his faithfulness. But in reality, because we have him and his love and his faithfulness, everything about our eternity is secure. And there is nothing of this life that we could have that might be of more value, give us more security, bring greater blessing than those two things, God's love and God's faithfulness. We have experienced God's love and God's faithfulness in such an immense measure this year. And he is so worthy of our praise tonight. Again, back to Psalm 138. David said, I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. Haven't we seen the faithfulness of God in the most wonderful ways, the most extraordinary ways this year? You know, David said in Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me or pursue me all the days of my life. That's our testimony this year. God's unfailing love and his faithfulness has surrounded us. It's undergirded us. It's overshadowed us. It's protected us. It's encompassed us on every side. It has pursued us. We can't begin to remember the number of days and all the ways in which we have experienced the faithfulness of God. And he goes on to say, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. In the New Living Translation, those last two lines read, for your love, your unfailing love, and your faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. God's promises are backed by all the honor of his name. This is our story this year. This is our testimony. We praise God for his unfailing love and his faithfulness. And he has proven to us, like we have never experienced it before, on a scale that eclipses our previous experiences, that God's promises are backed by all the honor of his name. Hallelujah. That's been our experience all through the seasons, all through the months of this year. Great is God's faithfulness unto us. It was on the 18th of March, just three days after we had our last Sunday service together, the last time that we would meet up to this point physically in this building. Three days later, on the 18th, God gave us this promise 
As we were reading the Psalms for that day, Psalm 138, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. With all of the talk of the danger and the exposure of people to COVID, I was deeply concerned about the people in our church, since there are so many of you who work in healthcare and who work in corrections. And I was praying and asking God, God assure us, our people are going to face immense danger. Assure us that you are going to protect us and keep us. Lord, I need you to keep my people. I need to know that you are going to overshadow them and be a hedge of protection around them. And God gave us this verse. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. And immediately at that point, Modesta was dealing with some of the first COVID cases in a healthcare facility here in the city. And her patients were among the first of those to die in Baltimore City. And this promise was being put to prayer and being put to test. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Now understand something about the way that God works. God will give us a promise. But we must take ownership of it. Never is there a place to passively endorse the promises of God. God gave a promise to Abraham. And then a year went by. And two years went by. And 10 years went by. And 15 years went by. And it was impossible for that promise to be humanly fulfilled. It was a promise that anyone would expect to occur in the most human way. The promise of a son. How do we have children? Through conception. And yet eventually Abraham and Sarah had to face the fact, the word of God says, that their bodies were as good as dead. And it was absolutely impossible for them humanly to see the promise of God fulfilled. But the word of God tells us that Abraham acknowledged the fact that his body was as good as dead. But he believed that God who had made the promise would call those things that are not as though they were and would bring them into reality. And Abraham walked in faith. And it was because he walked in faith that he saw the promises of God fulfilled in his life. God calls us to embrace his promises. God calls us to take ownership of his promises. On the 18th of the month, God gave us this promise. And then on the 25th of March, God gave us a word of instruction. In reading the Psalms that day, the second Psalm was Psalm 55. And God spoke a directive to our hearts. It's the words of David. It's exemplified in the life of Daniel when he was facing certain and imminent death. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out to the Lord, and he ransoms me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though there are many who oppose me. And God gave us a word of direction. If we wanted to see this promise fulfilled, then we needed to walk according to the pattern of prayer in Psalm 55, and that was exemplified in the life of Daniel, 
And so we began to meet for prayer. For years, we've been meeting three times in the morning. Now we began to meet at noon and in the evening. And we begin to pray God's protection. We begin to pray God's covering. We also begin to pray that God would show us his purposes, what he wanted to accomplish in our lives during this time. One of the things that I was certain of at the beginning of all of this was that COVID was not the first crisis that we were going to see throughout this year. I felt that God spoke into my heart that we were going to see numerous crises as we went through this year. And as a nation, we did. COVID was just one of them. We went on this year to see a record number of hurricanes, wildfires sweeping across multiple states to an extent that we had never seen before. The bottom drop out of our economy, tens of millions of people unemployed. Everything brought to a standstill. The issues of social injustice came to the forefront and erupted in violence across cities in our nation. Turmoil and disruption at a level that we had never experienced before. God knew the trouble that we would be walking through. And so we prayed morning, noon, and night. And in circumstance after circumstance, we saw God preserving the lives of our people. Those first few weeks and those first few months were very fearful. There was UK. His facility had been turned into a COVID-only facility. All of his patients were COVID patients. It was the same for Chica. Donna at her facility, they did not have enough of PPE. And they were making do with what they had, even using plastic bags. We found some N95 masks that we had here from some work that we were doing. Gave them to her because they did not have the protection that they needed. And yet we saw as danger surrounded our people and they walked in the midst of trouble, God preserved their lives. He was so faithful. There's a second part to this verse that we really haven't emphasized throughout this year. And yet it is so powerful. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. You know, the adversary would like nothing more than to destroy your life and my life. He is the agent of death. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in a horrific way, we saw that take place across their nation. There were days of, that were so fearful. Do you remember when Oral and Carla were praying for and deeply concerned about people back in New York? New York and New Rochelle was going through such a dreadful time. And in their church back in New York, there were numerous people who were sick with COVID. I remember a, a prayer call when Donna was just so overwhelmed with fear because everything that was going on at work, from the administration to what was taking place in every part of her facility, was such an uncertain setting Everything reeked of fear. Everything produced fear. But Daniel prayed, certain that God would deliver him. 
With your right hand, you saved me. God was teaching us through this time. You don't need to fear. In the words of Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God was teaching us, I will preserve you. No matter what it looks like around you, no matter what is happening in other places, no matter how uncertain it seems, you do not need to fear. My promises will keep you. I will sustain you. I will preserve your life. With my right hand, I will save you. Dear ones, that is one of the most important lessons that God wanted us to learn through all of this. Do not fear, for I am with you. And with my might and with my strength, I will take care of you and I will save your life. God was teaching us this year that his promises are trustworthy. And no matter what the circumstance, they can be depended upon to see us through. He is faithful. Faithful. The last verse in this psalm declares this. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. I want you to notice how this Psalm typifies the word in the manner that we have chosen to look at it tonight, the word faithful, as a compound word of those two words, faith and full. David is certain of God's faithfulness. God will fulfill his purpose for me your love, O Lord, endures forever. When you are reading the Psalms, always take note of the word Lord and the way that it is used. When it's used in this sense and when we see it set this way, uppercase L, and then in small caps, O-R-D, it's the covenant name of God, Yahweh, the God who is always with us, who will always love us, and who will always be faithful to us. The God of commitment will fulfill his purpose for me. The God who is always, his love endures forever. David is certain that God is faithful. But notice that David is also trusting the Lord. Do not abandon the work of your hands. David in faith is trusting the Lord. David is setting his heart, his hope, his expectations on the Lord. He doesn't know what yet remains, what is yet to come. But he wants his faith to be fully set on the commitment and the purposes of God. You and I never imagined that we would find ourselves nine and a half months later, sitting as we are tonight, not having come together for our church service. In Baltimore City here, no building of worship ever exceeded 50% capacity with social distancing. For us, that meant as compact and as intimate as we are, we have been together online here 
for nine and a half months. And through that time, God has been showing us that he would fulfill his purpose for us. He has been teaching us that his promises were steadfast and enduring. But we have also been looking to him in faith. We've not stopped praying three times a day, morning, noon, and night, which actually turns out to be five times a day. Three in the morning, noontime, and evening time. And we continued to seek the Lord. And then in October, Floyd's household was sick with COVID. And God showed his faithfulness in keeping Rosie with her susceptibility from getting sick. But Floyd became sick. And he became very sick. And I would walk the aisles of the church building and saying, God, you made a promise. You can't let anything happen to Floyd. You must be true to his word. How do I explain you? You were able to keep people when their wards were full of COVID. But you couldn't keep Floyd? But God proved himself faithful and true to his promises. Even as we cried out to God not to abandon the work of his hands, but to extend that promise in a way that we had not seen it tested previously in all that had happened in the months beforehand. That promise that God gave us, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will preserve our life, was being tested in Floyd's life. But God proved himself to be faithful. Floyd testified to us that there was a night that he did not think that he was going to see the next morning. But God was faithful to his promise. And God brought Floyd out of being so very sick, what he thought was mortally sick, and restored him back to health. God was teaching us a new extent to his promises. You can trust me, even if it goes this far. And then at the end of October, Pastor Samuel became sick with COVID. Emily took him to St. Agnes emergency room. And that was the last time that she would see him for weeks. Last time his children would see him. Pastor Samuel last text to me was the next morning on the 27th of October telling me what they were doing and his hope that it would work for him. And Pastor Samuel continued to get sicker they intubated him, and he was put into a coma. And he was that way for weeks. The promise that God made us was now being tested to a new extreme, a greater circumstance. Would the promise of God bear the weight of something that had killed 300,000 other people. And we prayed, and we prayed. And again, I walked the aisles of church, and we cried out together, and I said to God, God, you must keep your promise. You cannot, you cannot go back on it. I cannot explain you. If you do not keep it in this in this situation, because you gave us this promise. And I have boasted of you. And you must be faithful yet again. And we prayed. We prayed morning, noon, and night. And we kept asserting our faith in the promises of God. In the faithfulness of God. 
And God proved himself to be faithful. Through that time, God taught Emily different things. It was such a joy for me. I would call her, talk to her. She would share with me updates. and We would pray together. And one instance in particular stood out to me. God had so arranged things sovereignly that there was a good friend of theirs who was a nurse who happened to be on duty when Pastor Samuel went in. And she heard his name from where she was working. And she came over. And she kept her eye on Pastor Samuel. And she visited him. And she asked for extra hours so that she could be there working in the hospital and see him. And then she would share updates with Emily. And at one point, Emily told me, I realized that I was coming to rely on the word of man, the good updates from the nurse, instead of simply putting my confidence in the Lord and in his promise. That is such a critical lesson for all of us to learn. God wants us to trust him, no matter what the report of man is. Not to rely upon someone else's help and hopefulness, but to rely upon the fact that he is the God of hope. And as Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 says, that he will fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him, so that we overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God brought Pastor Samuel out of that coma. And when it looked like he would need to be intubated again, God suddenly turned things around and accelerated his recovery from ICU to intermediate care to regular care, to rehab, bringing him home on the 17th so that he would be with his family for Christmas. God is faithful to his promises. And then just before Christmas, Floyd was not feeling well on the 6.30 prayer call. And he began to have a lot of distress. And his family called the EMTs and they came and they decided that he needed to go not to the closest hospital, but to another hospital. When they got him to that hospital, we were praying in the meantime, God, would you give the EMTs the wisdom and the ability that they need? And would you make sure that the right people are available when he gets there. You and I have heard all the stories of hospitals. The tragedy that New York experienced and Los Angeles is now experiencing, where there's not capacity for people. People who have heart conditions and heart attacks are dying in the ambulances because there's no place in the emergency room. They're full of COVID patients. And so we needed to pray that way. They got Floyd to the hospital and his heart stopped. And they were able to restart his heart. It so happened that the best doctor was there in the hospital that day. Floyd's heart's fine. It's the other impulses that tell it to keep beating, that were at fault. They put a pacemaker in him, and two days later, Floyd was back home to spend Christmas Day with his family. God is so faithful. God had shown us, it doesn't matter what circumstance you are in. It doesn't matter the extreme to which it goes, my 
promises can bear the weight of your circumstance. The honor of my name is at stake, and I will be faithful. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. When we think about the purposes of God, one of the verses of Scripture that readily comes to mind is Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we often quote that verse, especially in a circumstance where we just don't have the answers. But we have a reassurance. We know that we have a God who is in control and who is working for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. But the next word is the word for, and the word for is a connecting word. It connects the previous thought with the next thought that the Holy Spirit has spoken. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. David declared that God would fulfill his purpose for him. What is God's ultimate purpose for your life and my life? In the midst of our circumstances, what is God's goal of good? What is his agenda? It's found in verse 29. Verse 28 is incomplete without verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Simply put, God wants to work in us and make us less like ourselves and more like Jesus. Whatever it is that characterizes us, it's deficient. Whatever it is that characterizes Jesus, it's perfect. It is fully sufficient. And God wants to work in us to move us from a place of deficiency. That might be sinfulness. It might be fearfulness. But God wants to move us toward a place of being conformed to the image of his son. It might be that our hearts, our minds, our agendas, our future is set on the things of this world. This life that is temporary. But God wants to set our attention on Christ. And so he uses those circumstances to change us and transform us. How has God worked in you during this time? How has he conformed you to the image of his son? The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians and said, and I am persuaded of this same thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. This verse is presented to us in the revised Geneva Bible. The Geneva Bible predated the King James. I like this because of a couple of things. Number one, he who has begun a good work in us that identifies the work that God has begun in his people. Secondly, the word perfect. God is not content with you and I having a somewhat or a sloppy resemblance to Jesus Christ. God does not want you to have some trust in him. He wants you to have perfect trust in him, total trust in him. Some trust will get you through the little things, but when the big things come, some trust will fail you 
Your heart will be overwhelmed with fear. You'll lose confidence in God. You won't have victory. God wants to perfect your life and my life. And I like this presentation because it capitalizes the word day. You see, everything about this life, being a follower of Jesus Christ, is in connection to the coming of Jesus and eternity. We tend to view life from the immediate and how it affects us physically. But life and every aspect of life needs to be viewed in light of the day of Jesus Christ. The values of eternity. Are we living toward his return? Are we preparing for his return? The Amplified Bible renders that passage. I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, the time of his return. You see, God is working in you in light of and toward the return of Jesus Christ. That is God's perspective. In the Passion Translation, it reads, I pray with great faith for you, because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue to the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what God's been doing in you and me throughout this time. He has been endeavoring to perfect his work in us and to do things in us that could not be done in any other way except taking us through this time. Concerning this process of perfection, James writes at the very beginning of his letter, he doesn't waste any time, getting right to the point of what's most important. And he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, that's not the way that you and I look at trials, is it? That runs counterculture to our human nature. And yet, remember, God has an agenda of making us like Jesus and making us less than who and what we are as ourselves. He wants to deal with the deficiencies in our lives. And he wants to make us complete in Christ, perfect in him. And so James says, greet trials with joy. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. J. Vernon McGee would say, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we find out what we are made of. If we persevere, it works in us to make us spiritually mature and complete so that we are not lacking anything. And that's God's goal. He wants to perfect us. He wants to make us complete in Christ so that we are not lacking anything. Another version renders it, My dear family, when you find yourselves tumbling into various trials and tribulations. You see, I like this version because we really tumbled into this year. It came without warning. We couldn't plan for it. And we certainly could not plan for the way that it's worked out month after month after month. We did indeed tumble into it. 
learn to look at it with complete joy. Because you know that when your faith is put to the test, what comes out is patience. What's more, you must let patience have its complete effect so that you may be complete and whole, not falling short in anything. Now, my friends, listen. This year has revealed things about us that no other setting could reveal. It's revealed how much you trust God. It's revealed what kind of substance there really is to your life. If we were coming physically to church, you would come on a Sunday morning and you would worship. The musicians would be on the platform. The words would be on the monitors. Everyone would be singing. People would be lifting their hands. We would feel the presence of the Lord because he's in the midst of two or three who come together. Our praises would draw the ministry and the working of the Holy Spirit, and you would be caught up into worship. But now you sit at home. You sit on the comfort of your couch. You sit behind the anonymity of a screen that just has your name. We don't see your face. Times of worship, it's completely up to you. to move out of your comfort, to change your environment, and enter into worship. God called us to pray morning, noon, and night. It's been up to you to take that initiative and join the people of God. There are so many things that now became dependent upon you. It wouldn't happen the way that it typically happened us coming together and being in a setting. You were more on your own to follow Christ and to grow in him than you have ever been before. How did it turn out? Where are you now? What happens during our times of worship? What posture are you in? How connected are you really with people? with the body of Christ. How much more is your heart set on spiritual things, on the return of Jesus Christ? You see, God has been working through this time so that no matter what happens in the future, you and I can stand on our own two feet. We know what it is on our own to press into the presence of God to hear the word of God speak to us. We know how to lay hold of the promises of God. This is what God's been teaching us. Lay hold of my promises and know that no matter what happens, they will sustain you and you will be kept by my word. So, how has it worked out in your life? What have you allowed God to do? to make you less like who you are and to make you more like Jesus. Back to Philippians chapter 1, after the Apostle Paul declared that he was confident that God who began a good work in them would continue that work, perfecting it in light of the day of Christ. He ended his words with this prayer. I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. There it is again. Everything in light of the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Through these months, God's been teaching us to trust him, to depend upon him, to be confident in him, to be able to rest upon his word no matter what it looks like and believe that God will be faithful 
to accomplish what he has said, to fulfill his purpose. God's also been teaching us clarity and discernment. What's really important? How should I be spending my time? He has called us to come together morning, noon, and evening. That will not stop in the future, no matter what kind of new normal we see in the future. We will continue to seek God because he's called us to a new place in him. We can't go back to the old places. Life in the future will never be the same again. God knew that. And he wanted to bring us to a new place where our priorities and the way that we lived our lives we viewed with greater clarity. Discernment about what is best. No, this does not matter in light of the return of Jesus Christ. No, this friendship, that relationship. No, this activity, time spent here and doing that. No. Listening to this, watching that. No. That you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ and filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. I want to give you a last few thoughts here concerning this aspect of walking in faithfulness. As I look back over this year, and I look back at some of the things that we were learning and God was speaking to us, here's just a few of them. Connecting them to not only God's faithfulness, but you and I walking in faith. Not a little faith, but faithfulness. Number one, we aren't in control as much as we plan and believe ourselves to be. If you haven't learned that this year, I don't know what you will learn in the future that will be of spiritual value. You and I simply are not in control. We've been planning our future. We planned out this year. But all of a sudden, we discovered that we were not in control. We couldn't do what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it. We couldn't be where we wanted to be. We weren't in control of our finances. We weren't in control of our schedules. You and I really are not in control. We also learned that the whole world can be brought to a halt. That the strongest economy in the world can be shut down in a heartbeat. It was astounding to see what was happening. This just wasn't here, there. This was the whole world. And the whole world is still going through it. There are rehauls that countries are going through and that we are experiencing in our country. And we saw the strongest economy in the world, just like that, brought to a stop. Businesses shut down. A million, five million, 10 million, 20, 30, 40 million people out of work. Listen, my friends, if it can happen once, it can happen again. And it will. You and I should have learned that there is nothing certain about tomorrow. We shut down thinking that two weeks from now we'll be back together. Your kids, school said two weeks, then we'll come back. And two weeks became another two weeks, and then it was six weeks, and... Then it was the summer. Then it was the expectation of resuming in fall, and that didn't happen. And here we are now, and we're on the eve of a new year. And we still have no idea when we'll be back together. Churches reopened only for someone to test positive and shut down again. Reopen, shut down again. There's nothing certain about tomorrow. We should have learned that lesson and learned it well. 
we also learn that God can be trusted. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances might be. And it doesn't matter how severe it might get. We can be surrounded and in the midst of trouble, God can be trusted. And you should have learned that. I should have learned that in a way that goes beyond any understanding that we had of that truth. God knows the future. We had no expectation of what was going to happen in 2020. But God knew what was going to happen, and God already had a promise that would sustain us no matter what happened. God had a promise that would carry us through even the most extreme circumstances right up to last week and Floyd. You see, God knows the future, and he's made the preparations that are necessary. You and I should have learned that everything in this life is temporary and uncertain. And the only real value and future is found in a faithful life. A life that is capable of trusting God. A life where our hearts are set upon him. A life that is lived in Christ and for Christ and for his purposes. Because if we set our eyes, our agenda, our future, on anything less. We're going to be in trouble. We were shaken in all kinds of ways throughout this year. The social unrest shook us. It shook our young people deeply. The uncertainty of whether we could remain healthy. Would everyone live? The expectation of our kids going back to school, life resuming as it was before. We found that it's all uncertain and it's all temporary. The only real value is if you and I set our hearts fully on Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, my dear friends. You and I need to be at this place on the eve of 2021 where we are more surrendered to Jesus. We are living more for his purposes. We have a greater trust and faith in the capability of God to keep us and a greater confidence that eternity is real and eternity is worth living for. I would encourage you to download this song, learn the words, sing with it. These words capture everything that we have said about the work of God in us. Dealing with every shortfall and every deficiency and everything that's not like Christ. And bringing us to a place where all of our confidence, all of our focus, all of our priorities are in him. And living faithful, full of faith towards Christ in light of that day when we stand before him. This is going to be one of the first songs that we sing when we come back together. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to make it a theme song for 2021. And God wants us out of the lessons of 2020 to learn to walk by faith, to be able to trust him fully and completely to have every confidence in him and to live with an acute focus on Jesus Christ. On every eve of the new year,
we share communion together. We come to the Lord's table. And in this act of consecration, because that is what communion is above everything else, it's an act of consecration. We dedicate ourselves to the Lord for the new year. When you and I come to the Lord's table, we are saying, like the Apostle Paul, my life is not my own. And I don't live for anything in this life. I live for Christ. And I don't want to depend upon myself. I want to live fully for Jesus. Remember that Jesus said, to the great offense of many, I tell you, unless you eat the bread of my flesh and drink, my blood, you will have no part of me. Jesus is my life. He needs to be fully my life. And you and I need to remember that it's only as we depend upon him that you and I will be spiritually strong. I am the vine, you are the branch. You can do nothing apart from me. Remain in me. Let my word remain in you. Seek me in prayer. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Showing yourself to be my disciple. And so on the eve of this new year, we are going to recommit ourselves once more to the Lord. And we are going to set our focus and our hope on the day of Jesus, we are living towards that day. We are living to be ready for that day. And in the meantime, with our focus on Jesus, deriving our life from him, he will enable us to walk faithful. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember tonight that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was chastised for our peace. And by his stripes, by his stripes, UK has been healed of COVID this year. By his stripes, Pastor Samuel has been brought out of a coma and healed of COVID. By his stripes, Floyd was healed and Rosie was protected. By his stripes, Floyd's life was preserved. His heart was restarted. His body is our life. Let's eat this bread in remembrance of him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made for me. Thank you for giving yourself in my place. Thank you for taking my guilt. Thank you for making atonement for me. Jesus, I want you to be my only source of life and satisfaction. the only agenda in my life. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together the cup. Amen. For whenever you eat, this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We say Christ alone is my life. We declare by faith we know he's coming back. And we confess the only life for me is a life that is lived full of faith in Jesus Christ, and in Christ alone. Amen. Lord Jesus, we have so many reasons to look back and praise you. 
your faithfulness, your protecting power, your care, your strength to sustain us. We've gone through things that we never dreamed that we would go through. Our lives have been turned inside out in ways that we could never have imagined. And we as a church body and as individuals have faced the testing of the very limits of your promise. You have been teaching us that you are wholly dependable. You've been endeavoring to disconnect us from anything else in which we might find peace and confidence and security and future. You've been teaching us that you can be, you want to be, and you must be our all in all. Father, we pray that you would continue to perfect what you have begun. Continue, O oh God. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Do not leave us where we are spiritually. Do not leave us at the same level of faith and trust and likeness to Jesus Christ. O oh God, continue. Perfect that work that you have begun in us so that our lives might have the greatest strength and faith in Jesus Christ and the greatest glory to your name when he returns and we stand before you. We thank you again for one another. We have found such joy in praying for one another day after day, being together in fellowship, and we love each other more than we ever have before. We bless one another in the name of Jesus. We do not wish one another a happy new year, but Lord, we wish your blessing upon one another. And we wish the fullness of Christ in prayer for each person and the joy and the confidence and the strength that he alone can give. May this year, like never before, be to your honor and your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.